speaks, everything speaks. So our world around us and our experience within it, it speaks to us all the time. Like how you perform at school, that tells us something about how smart we think we are. That's another message, how smart we are. Uh, how we perform in our chosen sport or art form, that tells us something about how gifted we think we may be, right? And our relationships and our social interactions, that tells us something about our community and our space within it. Everything speaks. And, and then there's social media, there's like, like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and are we still on Snapchat? I just, mm. I have it for the filters, my four-year-old's obsessed, so the Snapchat, pretend to be real. Um, and so there's all these social media, but that speaks, I don't know, what does it say? It says a bit too much, if you ask me, but it says something about, I don't know, our status, or what the world holds as valuable. And then there's like the streaming platforms, so give a cheer for your go-to, alright? So Netflix. Okay, 
have you ever followed someone and they led you a little astray? Like, have you ever like, followed someone's lead and you thought maybe you probably shouldn't? Didn't work out well for you? Yeah, all right. Well, for me growing up, this was my brother Michael, my older brother Michael. Yeah, if you, <laughs> so many grins. If you know my brother, mm, send me love. Send me love. Uh, who here has an older sibling? Hands up. Okay, you, you get me. You get me. See, my brother had this incredible ability to convince me to do the very thing that our parents told us that we shouldn't do and I would always get in trouble for it constantly. But it wasn't just the big stuff like that that he was convincing about. Guys, I was so gullible with him. Oh, he had this gift. He was so good at it. Like, that really... It's a, it's a little bit stupid that I fell for it because he'd say the most ridiculous things. Like, guys, he'd say, um, don't drink out of the tap at our house because you'll get a disease. And, like, it would infuriate, right? It would infuriate my parents because I'd run to them thinking that I had herpes and they would be like, who told you that? And I'd be like, Michael. And they'd be like, ugh, you know not to listen to your brother. And it's like this running joke in our family now. You know not to listen to your brother. Because the point is not everything that speaks should be listened to. And the negative voices that we hear in our life can just become a part of the regular background noise and we don't even realise that it's shaping us. Because sometimes we go through life and we think these things about ourselves and we believe these things about ourselves and we should really spend some time asking where we got that from. Because somewhere along the line, someone said something over us or we said something about ourselves and now that's just fact, that's just the truth. Ooh, that is so dangerous. And that is a classic tactic of the enemy. See, just as we believe that there is a God that loves us, we believe that there is a force for evil that does not have our best at heart. Some call that Satan, some call that the enemy, but this is a classic tactic of the enemy where he just wants us to listen to the wrong voices, just in the hopes, just in the hopes that maybe we would believe them. And we see this in the Bible, we see this in the stories of the Bible a lot, in the story of Adam and Eve. You guys know the story of Adam and Eve? Oh, wow. Do we know the story of Adam and Eve? Lovely. Or cool if not. So God made Adam and Eve and he put them in this perfect garden of Eden and they were in perfect relationship with God and he said, go, flourish, be free, fly, fly. Do what you want, eat what you want, just don't touch this tree. Don't touch this one tree. So I, th I think you'd call that the one, the one guideline? Calling it guidelines, not rules? Alright, yeah, so you can do all this, just don't touch this one tree. But the enemy or the serpent or the snake in this story was so convincing and so good at convincing Eve to not listen to the voice of God. So we're picking it up from chapter 3 in Genesis. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? See, when the enemy is trying to convince us of something, to take us out of the game, he doesn't do it with a lie, right? Because we would be on to that. We would clock on to that. That'd be way too easy. He doesn't do it with a lie. He often does it with a question. Did God really say that? Are you sure you can handle that? Just little seeds of doubt. 
And you know what? It doesn't sound like this big Hollywood scary voice. It often just sounds like us. The voice in our heads saying, did God really say he'd get me through these exams? And Eve falls for it. Verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for the gaining of wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realised that they were naked. This got weird. Uh, they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The Lord God called to the man, where are you? And, and uh, Adam answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you? God said to him, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that? They were afraid because they were naked, so they hid this Familiar to last night, they hid. God met them and said, who told you that? Who pointed out your vulnerability and said you had to hide? Who, who told you that? And it's a good question because it implies that it wasn't God. It wasn't their creator. It wasn't the one that knew every single hair that was on their head. Who told you that? And this question matters because from that point on, our relationship with God changed. And there was a separation. Who told you that? Like, I would believe my brother, and my parents would be like, oh, who told you that? And God is saying to some people tonight, who told you that? Because somewhere along the line, you have heard something spoken over you, or your situation spoke something over you, or you said something to yourself that does not line up with what God says about you. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into that course. I won't I won't make the grades. Who told you that? My, my business isn't actually gonna go anywhere really. Who told you that? Look, I'm just too uh, weird or queer or boring to ever belong. Who told you that? Come on guys, God is asking us to re come on. He's asking us to rethink these negative voices in our life. Who told you that? See, when I was at school, I believed I would never have good friends. I would look around, the evidence was there. I had no one. I was never going to have friends. Who told you that? And when I had my son, Jad, I was in a wheelchair and I spent two and a half years recovering. I had to learn to rewalk again. And the doctors told me that it probably won't get better and it will definitely get worse if you have a second kid. And I was tempted to believe I would never walk again, let alone bounce around. is that we believe it and we start living out of that place. Imagine if I hadn't listened. I mean, love the doctors, we need them, but like in this situation, imagine if I had to believe them, I would never have had my son Vox. I would never have been able to talk about the miracle that God did in that situation. Come on. That deserves a part. That is a win. You know, the confusing thing about the wrong voices is that they can come from anywhere. They can come from within us, and they can come from people we trust. Now, I haven't told this story publicly before, but before I was a pastor at our church, I was in my dream job. That's, that sounds bad. This is my dream job. 
But I loved, my, I loved my job. I was doing PR and socials for big brands like Disney. And so I, was, I knew that if God ever called me into ministry full time, he'd have to make it clear that it was him, right? Because I loved it. And I felt like it was time, like he was calling me into ministry. So as I was preparing for this, two people that I looked to for advice and respect told me not to do it. Well, one of them told me that I didn't have it in me and that um, maybe I wasn't ready. And the other one, almost like the opposite, the other one told me that I would be playing it small, living safe, and not living up to my full potential if I did this. Oh, I spoke right to my insecurities at the time, learning to trust my own instincts. I was like, what? Who told you that? And you know, they had a lot of stuff going on and you know, as much as I love them, imagine if I hadn't listened to them. Imagine if I had taken my lead from my life from what people around me were saying instead of from the voice of God and what he was speaking over me. See, what we listen to leads us, guys. Just like a shepherd's voice leads the sheep, what we listen to leads us. What's leading you? Are you becoming a more kind, generous, loving person? Because if not, maybe look at what you're listening to because that will give you a gauge of what's leading you. You know, thankfully, huh, thankfully, I knew that what they were saying wasn't lining up with what I knew my God was saying about me. And can I just tell you, if you haven't ever gotten in the Word and just listened to God's encouragement for you and plans for you, do it. It's, it's just... It saved me in the sense of giving me that direction that I needed, knowing that God had me. But the miracle in this story was, before I met with that person for coffee, I read my Bible. That's not the miracle. The miracle was this person was late, and this person is never late. And so I got my Bible reading done, and in the story that day, it talked about how God is my success, God is my progression, He is my increase, and He chooses what is my potential. When I sat with them that day and they said, you'd be playing it safe if you do this, I was able to say to them, even if in my head, who told you that? Because my God, who I'm listening to, says something different. My God says that he has my success. And even if it looks dumb or silly to everyone else around me, I'm going where he is guiding me. And he is guiding me to be pastor at this little church that I love. Who told you that? Come on. Because the only voice that matters, guys, your God, your creator who knows you intimately. He is speaking tonight and he is speaking through his word and he says this, you have a plan and a purpose. You are called by name. You are fully equipped. You are more than a conqueror. Weapons made to attack you won't be successful and words spoken over you and against you won't hurt at all. You belong with as much right to the name Christian as anyone and you are a child of God. I'm sorry, but this is the truth. I'm going to read this again because it's just so good. Come on, you've got to get into this. You have a plan and a purpose. You are called by name. You are fully equipped. You are more than a conqueror. Weapons made to attack you won't be successful and words spoken against you won't hurt at all. You belong with as much right to Christian as anyone. 
word to you. Yes, you sitting here. Pick your promise. Whatever resonates with you, pick it. It's yours for keeps. And you may say to me, Beth, you don't get it. You don't know me. You don't know my story. I'm not part of this culture. I don't know the Bible. This isn't me. I just, you don't know my story. And I'm like, yeah, you're right, I don't. But we learned from last night that God does. And he still decided ahead of time that this is true. So at some point, we've got to get to a place where despite how we feel, we're going to lean into what the truth of what God says over us. Man, I had to get, oh, I had to learn this skill in my life of learning the difference between the truth and the facts. See, the facts say I made a mistake, but the truth says God is a God of second chances. And the facts say that I'm going through some tough stuff right now, but the truth says that even if I don't understand it, even if it doesn't make sense, God is working all things together for my good. differently but it takes time it takes time to distinguish a voice from a crowd to get familiar with God's voice and um, <laughs> as annoying as my brother is he is gifted very gifted he's a he's a music producer and he was saying the other day okay so you can play him any voice all right. You can play him my voice, you can play him Hannah's voice, you can play him Sinjin's voice. Someone he recorded 15 years ago, uh, any artist, right? And within 10 seconds, he can tell you who's singing. It's a very impressive party trick. And he just, say, he just told me that when you are in the music studio with someone, listening intimately for hours recording, you become familiar with their voice. And <laughs> get this. Even if they are singing a song he's never heard them sing before, he can tell it's them by their tone. Whew, that will preach. And isn't that true of God that when we spend time getting in the Word, getting to know Him, getting to know His character, getting to know, getting familiar with the voice of God, even when He leads you somewhere that He has never led you before. And I'm telling you, God is going to lead you guys somewhere you have never been before. Maybe that's uncomfortable. Maybe you're not sure. But you can go confidently knowing that it's God because you are familiar with His tone. His tone of love. His tone of peace. Come on. But there's a takes time, as I said, to really learn the voice of God. And there's a story in the Bible that I love. It's a story of Samuel that I really want to quickly share with us tonight. See, Samuel was a young kid who had to learn the voice of God. He had to learn the voice of God. So we can know it from his word and we can know it from his presence, but it takes time. And so back in biblical times, it was very common for a priest to have an apprentice. And they would work in the temple with him and they would live with him. And that is where this story is set. So we're going to pick it up from 1 chapter 3. It says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days the word of the Lord was rare. He didn't know the voice of God. It was rare. 
And then one night, the lamp of the God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was, and the Lord called to Samuel. And Samuel answered, Here I am! And he ran to Eli, and he said, Here I am, you, you called me. And Eli said, I didn't call, go, go back and lie down. So he went and he laid down. And again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. And my son, Eli said, I did not call, go and lie down. And I am having PTSD from my four-year-old waking me up every hour at night. I didn't call you. But you see, if we don't know the voice of God in our lives, the danger is, is that we run to what's familiar. We run to what we know. Samuel ran to Eli, his leader, the one that he'd been following. And we run to what's familiar. We, want, we run to socials. We run to those friendships that don't work for us. We run to that habit. We run to what's familiar. And we can risk when God is speaking to us but you do not ever have to fear that because our God is so good he always calls again he always calls again it says here in verse 8 a third time the Lord called Samuel and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said here I am you called me then Eli realized the Lord was calling the boy so Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak the Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. You know what I love about this? The few things. But it is so important to understand the voice of God in our own lives for ourselves because even our leaders get it wrong. Even our leaders get it wrong as much as we love them. If I can help you with one thing other than that you are seeing this camp is to just empower you that you don't need a guru to hear the voice of God. You do not need a leader to hear the voice of God. That is the point of Jesus. We don't need anyone. We go straight to our Father. So if I can encourage you to trust your instincts, trust the voice of God in your own life. We need our leaders and we love them, but that's not enough. We have to learn the voice of God in our own lives because even we are human and we get it wrong. And the second thing I love about this, where did Samuel recognize the voice of God? In this story, where did he recognize it? Was it when he was running to Eli? Was it when he was in the mosh pit at camp? Was it when his leader was praying over him and he was in full worship mode? When did he recognize the voice of God for himself? It says here, Samuel went and laid down in his place. He laid down, no striving, completely on his own, no distractions, no screens, just him and God in the presence of God there. He was familiar with the voice of God and love in his place. He laid down in his place. He didn't do it like Eli did it. And you're not going to do it like the person next to you does it. Laying down in your place, practicing the presence of God, we hear the voice of our Father. We hear God's voice through his word. We hear it through his presence. And he's certainly here tonight and he is speaking some of us have been brought here this week to let go of some things that we think of ourselves that no longer serve us. Some things that we've believed
believed and caught and carried along the way that don't line up with what God says about us. And it matters because how we be- what we believe influences how we live. And I just want to finish on one quick story. It's a story of a boy who went to go see the elephants at the circus. And when he was there, he was shocked to see that these huge animals that can literally trample anything, right? They're elephants. He was shocked to see that these huge beasts were held, were restrained with just a flimsy peg, little peg and a flimsy rope. And so he asked the caretaker about this. And the caretaker said, well, when the elephant is young, the owner will tie the elephant to a and after pulling and tugging and pulling and tugging, that elephant just eventually decides that to get free is impossible. So it grows up with this limitation in mind. So when the elephant is grown, all the owner has to do is take that little peg
some of us have these thoughts. God wants to deal with tonight. Maybe it was your situation and like me, you thought, I'll always be lonely. Maybe it's something that someone spoke over you in the past that you've been holding on to that is no longer serving you anymore. So I wonder whether from the front to the back we could just spend some time in God's presence, every head down and eyes closed. Whether you are on a team or whether you are a camp, God wants to speak tonight. And I wonder, you know, God is gracious. I can use it. Know that you have broken me free from that negative thought tonight. 